Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 6. We found on page 648 in the Old Testament section of your pew Bibles. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we do thank you for all that you have given to us. We thank you for life itself and all that you have done to sustain our lives to this point. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have provided for our growth physically. We thank you for the ways you have provided for our growth spiritually. Lord, we ask this morning as we hear your word read and proclaimed that you would continue that work of transformation in our lives by your word and by your spirit. That we would be conformed evermore to the likeness of your son. That we would be made more and more into the people that you created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. Isaiah writes, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Turning then to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. John writes, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things. and You do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. 
just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so that the Son of Man, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 11 through 21 Paul writes to the church in Corinth since then we know what it is to fear the Lord we try to persuade men what we are is plain to God and I hope it is also plain to your conscience We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Implore you. On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I apologize for my voice, by the way. It just may be in and out all morning. It's much better than it was a few days ago. First impressions are important. You know this to be the case, not only with people, but even with hamburgers. If you have been told of some new restaurant that they just have the greatest hamburgers you've ever had in your life, and you go to that restaurant, and you happen to get the one bad one they've served in a month... It makes a difference, doesn't it? 
if that's the first one you have, you don't think, I bet I got a bad one. You think, all these other people are crazy. This place has horrible hamburgers. First impressions are important. And they matter. Paul tells us that we are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. That when people who are not Christians see how we behave, hear how we speak, watch how we live, there is fairly decent chance that around here you may be one of the only Presbyterians somebody knows. But far more significantly, there is also a chance that you may be the only Christian somebody knows. And Paul tells us what we do reflects not only on ourselves, but on all Christians, not only on all Christians, but even on Christ himself. We are those who are called to and tasked with taking the message of the good news of Jesus to the whole world. Even the part of the world that lives here. So he begins by saying, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. To fear the Lord is not to be afraid of him, but to take him seriously. In the same way, in the same way that you do not need to fear fire, but you need to take it seriously. And if you don't take it seriously, you'll need to be afraid of it. Paul says, we know what it's like to take God seriously. We know that there is a day coming where we will all stand before him face to face. And because of that, we know what that day will be like for those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. And so because we know that this is the case, we try to persuade men and women and children and everybody. Because we take God seriously and we take people seriously. So that's one of our motivations. The other, though, is because Christ's love compels us to do so. Christ's love compels us. This is not just a sense of, well, this is our job, so we've got to do it. I guess we'll try to make the best of it. Some people have heard the message of we are Christ's ambassadors and say, yeah, I guess if people know that I'm a Christian, they're going to watch how I live. And if I'm not consistent, that might look bad to Jesus, so I better just never let anyone know I'm a Christian. That solves that problem. Right? So you have someone who drives like a maniac, but they have a Christian fish on the back of their car or a bumper sticker of some sort. And they hear, you know, that's not really consistent. And they say, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just take that off the back of my car and keep driving like that. But I'm not sure that was the solution we were going for, but okay. So when we have inconsistency in our life, I don't think the answer is, well, then just don't ever let anybody know you're a Christian. I think actually we are to let people know we're Christians. But we're not to point them to ourselves, we're to point them to Jesus. 
Paul says, I'm not, you know, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again. The message is not us, as he said earlier in this same book. We do not preach ourselves. Preach Jesus. He is our message. And we should preach that in word and deed in all we do. And we are compelled, not from a sense of responsibility necessarily. It's a part of it. But we are compelled because of the love of Christ. We read John 3.16, most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I don't know if you've ever thought about this in these terms. But imagine replacing the word world with your own name. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. If you believe in him, not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a powerful message. That is a really good message, especially when we look at the great disparity there is between the way we know we're supposed to live, the way we know is the right way to live, the ways that we even try and try again to live, and yet how we actually live. And we see how far short we come from that. And then we say, even still, even still, God so loved me, that he gave his one and only son for me. Yes. And that is a really powerful message. But, often that's where it stops. I think it's, it's all about just what he did for me, and we forget the rest of the world. But even rest of the world aside, what if you apply that same verse to your coworkers? Put their names in there. Those people that you have regular contact with, whether on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, who maybe or maybe do or don't know Jesus already. Have you ever considered the possibility that God so loved that person that he gave his one and only son? This is what it means to take each other seriously and to take God seriously and not to view each other from a worldly point of view anymore. If we view ourselves and each other from a worldly point of view, it is what is what you can see and what you can touch is all that really matters. But when we begin to see from a heavenly perspective, we see that there are things that go on beyond this world that matter far greater than all of the things that we can see and touch in this world except each other. And when we begin to see people from a heavenly perspective, through the love that Christ has for us, and we see that same love that he has for others, that should compel us. Compel us to share the message of Jesus. If we believe Jesus really is the way to life, the answer to the problem of the ache of our hearts, the answer to the problem of alienation from God that ourselves and our whole world experiences. If we really believe that Jesus is the answer to all of this, and that it's the separation from God, the separation from Jesus, 
that causes so much pain and heartache and breakdown in our relationships with ourselves, with God, with each other, with creation. Why would we not share that? And yet that's exactly what what happens. He says we are Christ's ambassadors. And he gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Letting people know that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. If you have become painfully aware you become painfully aware of your own sins and you know that God has, is not counting them against you, that's good news. But have you yet come to the terms come to terms with the fact that he still counts them against somebody? He's actually counted them against Jesus instead of counting them against you. That's pretty amazing love. In Romans 5.8, Paul says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 1 John 4, John writes, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Because dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8. Sorry, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined destination. There's a good Presbyterian word, right? Turns out it's a Bible word. Um, For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Do you know the rest of the sentence? Predestined to what? To predestined to come to church on Sundays? That's good. That's not what it says. Predestined to go to heaven someday when we die? That's also good. Not what it says here. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And get this. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You see what's going on here? This is a work of God from beginning to end. 
There's nothing we can add to it. There's nothing we can take away from it. There's no way we can ever pay him back for what he has done for us before we could ever do for him. This is the message of God's love for you. This is the message of God's love for the world. That God in Christ was reconciling the world to himself. That we would be new creations that would be made ready for the new creation that is coming. That we would be sons of God. That we would be made different. Not just that we would have a different belief or two or have a little more knowledge than somebody else, but that we would be changed into new creations. That we would be, as Jesus said, born again. There's an email forward that has gone around. You've probably seen it, uh, particularly around Halloween time, but uh, it applies here and gives a good illustration of what we're talking about. So the 10-year-old little girl was asked by another classmate, what is it like to be a Christian? The girl replied, it's like being a pumpkin. Maybe you've thought that before. Maybe you've felt like a pumpkin before. The girl replied, it's like being a pumpkin. God picks you from the patch, brings you in, washes all the dirt off of you. Then he cuts open the top and scoops out all the yucky stuff. He removes the seeds of doubt, of hate, of greed, etc. And then he carves you a new smiling face and puts his light inside of you to shine for all the world to see. I get it. I like that. You'll notice that that was the answer to the question, what's it like to be a Christian? How many of us would have answered what it's like to be a Christian in terms of what we do? Or what we think, or what we believe. And yet, even in this uh, supposedly little girl's response, the answer is all about what God has done for us. And what he's continuing to do in us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new, from, the new has come. All this is from God. He reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. If you have never become reconciled to God. know that that is already all the hard part has been has been done the offer has been made it just needs to be received do you trust in what Jesus has done for you and what he will do in and through you are you still trying to as we said in the children's sermon earlier staple wings on your caterpillar body Trying to make yourself into something new. Are you willing to let Jesus transform you into the new creation that he actually created you to be in the beginning? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have a ministry 
as Christians, whether we want it or not. There will be those who are watching you, whether you know it or not. And we need to proclaim this message of good news, of hope, of life, of transformation. We need to proclaim it in deeds, that our deeds would be consistent with our words, but also in words. That our words and deeds would be consistent with the message of Jesus. Now, what if you don't feel competent for this job description? What if you look at your life and you say, well, I've got a long way to go. And in fact, most days I feel like I'm the worst person for this job description. I hope nobody's watching the way that I live or the things, or hearing the things that I say. Or they will get the wrong impression entirely. Let me tell you, it's probably better to feel that way on a daily basis than to ever feel self-confident in proclaiming this message. But that is what we're going to talk more about next week. For now, just know that God loves you. Know that God loves your neighbor. And may the love in Christ that God has for you and your neighbor compel you to live as an ambassador for Christ. That you would be his representative. Making known his amazing love and his amazing grace and his transforming power. Wherever you go, in all that you say and all that you do, the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.